in the book of Acts for the past few months, if you've been with us. And uh, the book of Acts is a book in the Bible, and essentially it's just the, the history of the beginnings of, of the church, of followers of Jesus, the movement that, that we are a part of. And, and so it kind of traces how it began. And, 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 and so what we've been talking about is in order for us to understand where it is that we're going, in order for us to understand our destiny, we have to know our history, where it is that we came from, and that so often when we, when we look back and we, and we evaluate the things that God did and the things that God was doing, we, we look and, and, we, and we so often notice, hey, there's some gaps in between what God was doing there and what God is doing in our day. And it has nothing to do with God. It has everything to do with us. And so part of us looking at Acts is going, God, we want to see you move in the same way that, that they were seeing you move. God, we want more of you. And we also understand that, that the, the reason that so much of, of your life and your power and your ministry has stopped flowing, it's, it's not on you, it's on us. And so this morning, we just, we're going to open our, our minds and our hearts to Acts chapter 16 and let the Lord just speak to us, whatever it is that he wants to speak, as he's calling us to, to not just show up here on a Sunday morning and attend church, but, but to be people who are filled with the Spirit that flood this city and these streets and these neighborhoods with the goodness of the gospel. Do you want to just show up here on Sunday mornings and get church, or do you want to, to, to change this city in the name of Jesus? Like, what do you want, right? And so the book of Acts makes us wrestle with these questions. What do we want? What do we want out of life? You know, I, I love what, what God was stirring in my heart is he's just reminding me this week that, that when you see someone who is just committed, just all in to loving God, and at the same time, someone who's committed to, to loving people, there's something about their life that is just so attractive. It's like magnetic. Right? And so maybe some of you, you know people like this, that, that, that they love God, but they're like, Christian hermits, that they don't, they don't ever spend time around people, that, that they're always praying, they're always reading, they're always listening to a podcast, but, but there's this disconnect from their lives because the God that they're worshiping, they're not living anything like, or, or you know people who are, who are really kind, but they don't love Jesus at all, that there's no, there's no spirit that is living inside of them. But, but if you're a follower of Jesus, isn't it true that when you see someone who, who is loving God and loving people, your life is just drawn to it. You want to be like that. There's something that speaks deep in our souls of that's what I was made for. That's what I want. And we can see it in other people. But have you ever realized, have you ever noticed how uncomfortable it can be to live out your faith in a public way, in a public place? And yet, that, that, that seems to be the thing over and over again, that when, when you and I are willing to love God and love people and to live out our faith, not just here in, in places of worship where it's comfortable, but when we leave this place and in uncomfortable places in the public, that that is the place that God so often works to set people free in the name of Jesus, to fill them with hope, to fill them with joy, to help them experience forgiveness and salvation in the living Jesus. And so often it just requires us being willing to take one uncomfortable step. I remember when I was in high school, I felt like the Lord was stirring it up in, in me and my friend group that we were supposed to get together and we were supposed to start praying. And, and not just at church, but we were supposed to start getting together and, and praying for each other and praying for our school. And so I remember we would, we would get to school early and we'd go to the front of the school. And, and I remember it was just so uncomfortable because we're like, we're sitting up there and we're holding hands and our, and our eyes are closed. And I'm a sophomore in high school at this point, And I'm just so insecure. Like, you know, who's going to walk by and see me? Like, what are the, what, what, what if the juniors and the seniors and that pretty girl that I'm trying to chase after, what if they come by, come by and what are they going to think? And, and I realized as I'm praying, you know, like with one eye open, trying to see who's there, that, that, that so often it's, it's, it's us being willing to do the uncomfortable things in public places. And I watched as that group just grew. 
And as people started to read the scriptures and they would print off different passages and they would come to a group and they'd say, hey, here's a scripture for you to think about today. And it was amazing what, what one uncomfortable step would do for a community. And one person who is just radically committed to loving God and loving people. I, I think about a friend of mine growing up and, and she was reading the Bible and searching after God's heart before, before I even was interested in that. And it was her hunger, her willing to, to talk to me about Jesus and, and talk to me about the things that she was learning that, that, that created in me this desire to know God more. And so this morning, we're gonna be looking at this idea of, of what does it look like for us as God's people to take our faith into the public places? These things that are so private and so personal to us, how do we take this into the public places? And so I want us to, to jump into Acts chapter 16, verse 16. The slides are on the, the, the screen if you wanna see these and read along with us. 771 if you use one of our, or 756 if you use one of our Bibles. This is the word of the Lord from Acts 16. It says, once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept us up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and he said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. And after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. And when he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. And so there's a lot that's going on here. I want you to notice how this passage even started. It said that they were going to the place of prayer. And if you were with us last week, one of the things that Aaron talked about was that in the city of Philippi, which is where the city was uh, where the store was taking place, that in order to have a synagogue, you had to have 10 Jewish men. And so Philippi is a city that they don't even have a formal gathering in a synagogue. And so the, the, the people of God are gathered outside the city in this place of prayer. And it says that Paul was, was, and his companions woke up and they were going to pray. And I just was thinking about how beautiful that was, that this story started because they were hungry for God. And I see that in you. It's like, I don't, I don't know what got you out of bed. I don't know what brought you into this place this morning. But there's something about your life that, that God is stirring. He's calling you to him. And you're moving closer to him, whether you, you know it or not. You know, there are lots of questions in this first passage of scripture that I don't have answers to. You know, what took Paul so long to drive the spirit out of this woman? Why didn't he day one show up and, and cast his spirit out? It, it seems that, that she was following them for several days. And, and I go, I don't have the answer to that question. I don't have the answer to, to, to why didn't Paul look slavery in the face and, and put it to death right there, right? I'll let Dave and Aaron tackle those questions the next few weeks, right? To, today, what I want us to, to look at is, is just this incident. And I want us to notice the injustice of it, right? And so these men who own this woman, who has this special ability to see into the future, Paul and Silas show up, they drive this spirit out, this evil spirit out. And the bosses, the owners aren't happy about it. And so they go and they get... 
Paul and Silas, and they're frustrated because this is an economic reason, that, that they're losing business, that they're losing money, and they're not happy about it. And yet, did you notice that when they drag Paul and Silas into the places of, of public, what is their accusation actually? Do they say, hey, these people have, have robbed us of, of, of our business? What do they say? They go, man, these are Jewish people, and they're throwing our city into an uproar, teaching customs that are not lawful for us. And do you notice that, that, that they're playing on the religious and the political and the social heated topics of the day, that they're manipulating this whole situation to get what they want? Stirring up trouble? And in the first century, this was completely corrupt. That it's similar to our day and time, that if, if someone does something, there's a, a due process to this, right? That you, you face a judge and you face a court and you face this, and, and that's supposed to be what happened, and, and yet you don't see this happening. You see accusations and all the, the governors and magistrates are worried about is keeping the peace, and so they're like, man, just do whatever you want with these guys. Throw them in prison, beat them, I don't care. Just, just get them out of here. And I want us to notice the injustice of it. Verse 25 we're going to spend the majority of our time here this morning. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. So you think about this. Philippi is not a religious city, which means that they're living in a city, that they're in a place filled with people who don't believe the things that they believe. And I go, have you ever noticed that in your own life? Maybe it's with your family or, or, or with your coworkers or, or, or maybe it's with your friend group that, that you're surrounded with people who don't believe the same things that you do. And have you ever noticed how, how often what happens in those places that you kind of cringe, that, that you kind of hide, that, that you let everyone else's voices get loud and, and, and how easy it is just to kind of drift into the shadows? And yet I love what we see in Paul and Silas. It says that they're in this city surrounded with people in this jail who don't believe what they believe. And it says that they're praying and they're worshiping. Think about how uncomfortable that would have been. Some of you, if you're honest, you were uncomfortable to sing out loud this morning because you didn't want the person next to you to hear your voice. Think about what it would be like to sing a solo in a prison filled with people in worship that don't believe in Jesus. Our staff, we get together and we pray in the mornings. Monday through Thursday, we gather at nine o'clock and there's some mornings where, where one of us will kind of lead a song and there's some mornings where I'm like, I oh, know I'm supposed to lead this song and it's like so painful, right? To, to be the first one to start singing, right? Even if it's like happy birthday, have you ever been there where, 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 where you have to start the song and, and you don't know how to pitch it and, and just think about how uncomfortable this would have been for Paul and Silas. And what you see here is that they, they love the Lord that they're not afraid to live out their faith in public places surrounded by people who don't believe what they believe. So crazy that, that they find themselves in this predicament because of Jesus, right? That last week Aaron talked about they, they are in Philippi because of a vision that they had seen. And so that, that they show up here in Philippi. And, and isn't it true that so often when, when, when we feel this, we might not say this, but, but you feel like when God has called you to something that that path is supposed to be easy and smooth, you should never have any heartaches or never bumps in the road, never uh, everything. If, if God's on it, it has to be easy. And that's the exact opposite. Paul and Silas find themselves in the middle of this pain because of their obedience. And some of you need to hear that this morning. You're walking through pain because of your obedience. Don't give up. Think about this. How often in the midst of hard stuff in life, we are to turn on God. 
to blame God, to quit on God, how quick we are to complain. Right, that hard stuff comes our way. And, and, and what do Paul and Silas do? They're, they're praying and they're worshiping. And, and what's the story of our lives? When hard stuff comes our way, what, what, are, what are the things that are coming out of our mouths? What is our life demonstrating? Is it praise? Is it God, you're good no matter what? Is it God, you're faithful? You've always been faithful. You, you see me, you love me, you've died for me, you're coming back for me. No matter the hard stuff in my life, you are worthy. Or does the second that hard stuff comes our way, we turn on God. God, why would you do this? And I can't believe you would lead me into this. What's the posture of our heart? What I love, it says that Paul and Silas were praying and worshiping at midnight. And did you catch the second part of verse 25? And it says the prisoners were listening to them. That was incredibly just convicting to me this week. That the world is watching us. Those of you who are followers of Jesus, the world is watching you. Our coworkers are, are watching the way that we treat people. They're watching and, and listening to the jokes that we tell. And they're noticing the things that we're passionate about. The things that come out of our mouths, the, the sports teams that we follow and the music that we like and the food that we like, they're, they're picking up, they're witnessing the things that we're truly passionate about. They're watching how we handle hard situations. You know, sometimes hard things come our, our way and God gives us this platform. Think about one of my good friends, my freshman year of college, we met, her name's Jessica, and um, a few years ago, she, she gets married, and on her honeymoon, she starts having this, this pain in her hip, and so she comes back from honeymoon, she can barely walk, and so she goes, and she realizes that, that they, she has this cyst that is growing in her bone, and so the doctors at Vanderbilt say, hey, we need to take that, that cyst out, and so after 24 weeks of rehab and healing, the pain comes back, and they realized that the tumor had grown back again. And so they said, hey, we, we, we think we need to do a hip replacement. I think about this, 30 years old, a hip replacement? A newlywed, like that's not the way you're imagining life working out. And so, you know, they, they proceed with this and, and she gets through the healing and, 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 and it comes back again. They fly her down to Houston, to MD Anderson, and they run these tests and they look at her and they said, hey, here's the deal. We, we're gonna have to amputate your leg. And, and there's a chance that, that this thing will, will go away, but, but the reality is that we're not gonna know until we, we that the only way to know is if, if we can amputate your leg. And so she kind of comes to this crossroads and she decides, you know, I've, I've got to do it. This thing keeps coming back. If this is what they're suggesting, I need to do it. And so they amputate the leg and they run these tests and they realize that, that she has this chemo that's, or she has this cancer that's gonna require 17 rounds of chemo over 14 months. And so she and her husband newlyweds, Three surgeries later, amputated leg, finds herself living in Houston, Texas. And she shares this video telling her story. And the other thing that she's, the thing that she's consistently saying, she said, we told God when we got married that we were gonna honor him no matter what. And if this is what has come our way, we're gonna honor the Lord. We exist for his glory. And we know that God is always out for, for our good and his glory. And so we're not gonna complain and we're not gonna whine. We're gonna, we're gonna face this with Jesus. We're gonna use this platform to bring him glory. And I'm watching this video and just finding myself in tears going, that's it. 
Someone who, who, who takes their pain and the hardness of their life and they go, to Jesus be glorified. Because he's God and he's Lord and he's good, even in the hard stuff. And sometimes God will give us a platform of pain that we get to elevate his voice. But let's not wait for a platform of pain to come our way, okay? What you see Paul and Silas doing is living out their faith in the public places. And this is where I've been so encouraged just this week. We put that first picture up, please. Our church family, I talked about this last week. We hosted um, these things called Power Up Clubs this week. Think Vacation Bible School, if you're familiar with that, in our front yard. And, and so it was so amazing that I'm watching these students. And so the, the students are in the green shirts and, and they would show up at our house every day, Tuesday through Friday. And they put on these silly costumes and they, and they learned these, these skits and they, and they taught these songs and, and, and they led these games. And, and I saw, I just got this to witness all week, some kids who, were not care, who didn't care what the world thinks. Some, some students who, who weren't out just for themselves. And, and I go, the fact that, that these students would, would set aside all the fun things that, that some are supposed to provide for, for students when they're not in school and the fact that they would be willing to, to teach and to look a little silly and to love on some kids. And I saw some people who were proactively living out their faith this week. So cool, this the girl that's on the, the driveway, her name's Emmeline. She's one of our student interns here. And in one of the other pictures, the, the one before this, there's a, a girl here and she's a part of our church. I think I see her family over here, Chloe, Chloe Anderson. And, and it was so neat because part of what they did is they shared a part of their story, their faith journey. And they talked about this idea of, of what it means to, to give your life to Jesus and, and that Jesus wants to be your friend and that, and that you want to be a friend of Jesus. And, and I'm telling you all that. And, and, and I was watching. I was so proud of them. Just going, man, it's amazing them, watching them live out their faith in this kind of public way. Fast forward to last night. I'm putting my children to bed. I have a six-year-old little girl, five-year-old boy, two-year-old little girl. I was putting my six-year-old to bed. And she says to me, Dad, I, I want to get baptized. And it's so cool because... She, she says this often, you know, like every night we have a bath, every time we have a baptism night, she comes. I just want them to see it. I want them to think about it. I want my kids to, to be formed by those moments, to be drawn to that, right? Like I want, I want them to know that the thing that we're going to celebrate in our family is Christ and new life in Christ. And, and, and so, you know, she talks about baptism and, and, and I know that she's not quite there yet because she'll talk about baptism. And then she's talking about how annoying her brother is, right? And, and the cartoon that she wants to watch the next day. But, but, but I see just this, this growing hunger in her life that she's talking and thinking about it. Well, last night she says, dad, I want to get baptized. And I said, well, why do you want to get baptized? She said, because I want to be a friend of God. And my daughter soaked that up from a couple of people who were willing to just open up their life in a public way. And you have no idea who's watching. You have no idea the impact that you make. And a lot of times, God, we don't get to see those things. It's uncomfortable to live out your faith in a public way. I felt this driving around inviting my neighbors. You know, we, we loaded up the car. My wife was 
I'm part of a prayer ministry here. And so uh, I said, we got to do this tonight. And so for two weeks ago, me and the kids loaded up in our car and, and I just said, hey, we're going to drive around our neighborhood and we know some of our neighbors, but we don't know all of them. I know that there are other kids here. I said, so anytime you see a sign of a kid, just tell me. So, you know, we'll be driving. My kids are like, dad, swing set. And I'm like, Arr! you know, like, you know, pulling into the driveway. And, and, and I found myself getting out of the car and, and, and it's uncomfortable to walk up to your neighbors and to knock on their door. And it's this kind of vulnerable place of going, hey, we're, we're, we're gonna be hosting this thing at our house next week. And I don't know you and you don't know me, but, but I believe that, that, that this is important. And if your kids wanna come, we'd love for you to come and you can come. It's all about Jesus. And I realized how uncomfortable that was, but being willing to be uncomfortable, 30 something kids show up in our yard last week. And one kid in particular, kid that my wife and I have been praying for, Parents aren't followers of Jesus. He knows very little about Jesus. Finley's been talking to him about Jesus, which is cool. She's like, now why don't you love Jesus? And why don't you go to church with us? And Jesus, and I love it, seeing her, her little evangelistic heart. And, and, and I remember that we, we invited, he was the first kid that we asked. And he doesn't show up on the first day and kind of bummed. And I was talking to my wife and, and she gets home and his mom, this little boy's mom pulls up when we're getting done. And Courtney says that, Courtney's my wife, that this boy gets out of the car and he's just crying because he's upset that he missed. And so I call his mom and I'm like, hey, whatever it needs to be done to get him here, I can pick him up, I can do whatever. If he wants to come, we wanna make sure he's here. And for the next two days, he showed up. And I go, it's worth it for him. It's worth it for one. And, and you have no idea, Chloe, and you have no idea the, uh, how much of an impact you, you make, what God is doing by just being willing to do something that's a little uncomfortable. And it's so often when you're willing to be uncomfortable, it's a thing that sets other people free. Let's keep reading. Verse 26. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken and at once the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He, brought, he then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his household. And, and, and I love this, but that, that God responds to our faith. And you'll never know this unless you're willing to be a little uncomfortable. If you spend your whole life just, just showing up and consuming and you never take a step, if you never take a risk, you never do something that stretches you in the name of Jesus, then so often what happens is that all you experience is the prison bars staying closed. But, but when you take a step, God opens the doors and God shows up and God works through your life in ways that only come through you demonstrating your faith. Paul and Silas love God. I mean, they're worshiping, they're praying, but I also want you to notice this. They're loving people. Right in the midst of their own pain, in the midst of their own untreated wounds, in the midst of them being treated unjustly, they're sitting in the prison and they're looking out for this jailer. Just think about that for a minute. Here's this jailer and, and he knows that his career is done and he can't even think of it. He knows that, that his boss is literally gonna kill him for letting prisoners escape. And Paul's going, wait, 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 wait. In the midst of his pain, Paul's watching out for other people. And it changed the heart. 
You see, when your love and God's power intersect in someone's life, the chains come off. And we can't force God to make the chains come off of people. We can't help them come out of addiction. We can't help them choose God. We can't fix all the things in their life. But you and I can be recklessly committed to loving people and trusting that God's going to do his part. And in those moments where our love and God's power intersect, the chains come off. But here's what it calls. It calls us to be people that are not just looking at ourselves. And in a culture where the selfie and where Enneagram are, are like everything, like they are our new gods, right? And, and, the, and the world tells you, just look deeper inside yourself and look to yourself. And what you see and follows your Jesus is not people who are looking out for themselves, looking out for other people. And I'm not down on the Enneagram. I'm not down on selfies. But I go, if your whole life is just about you, if you're always thinking about you, you're never caring about and thinking about other people, you're not actually following Jesus. Romans chapter two, verse eight, says that the wrath of God is coming against those who are self-seeking. And I'm going, okay, we got some work to do. Because this self-seeking stuff is infiltrating our churches. And, and from the, the, the very beginning, the movement of Jesus has been this, this mantra, this is not about you. It's not about you. And when the world sees us living just like the world, why would they want to be like us? But when we're loving God and we're loving people despite our own pain, God works in it. I love this. Verse 33, we'll end up here. 34. So at that hour of the night, the jailer took them, washed their wounds. Then immediately he and his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and he set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. You know, Paul just was willing to speak the word of God to him. That, that God was doing all the work, that, that God was stirring and, and God was moving. And Paul just, he, he spoke the word of the Lord to him. And what that, that, that means is he just said, hey, hey, you need to know that, that Jesus alone saves that Jesus came, that Jesus died for your sins, that three days later he, he rose from the grave, that, that he is in heaven, that there's gonna be a day that you're gonna stand face to face, that you're gonna discover who Jesus is. And if you will submit your life to his lordship and to his leadership, if you'll give your life to loving him, that day will not be a day that you dread, a day that you look forward to, a day that you think about like your honeymoon. A day that you go, I can't wait to be in the presence of God, to see the face of the one who loved me. And the reality is that when you follow Jesus, your faith always has to go public. Following Jesus is not this thing that, that stays in the private places of our hearts. That if we wanna make an impact on other people, if we wanna influence other people, we have to take that uncomfortable step. I wanna to talk to followers of Jesus real quick about what this means, about how we apply this, and then those of you who are not followers of Jesus. And so those of you who are followers of Jesus, I wanna just say this real quick, you know, life with Jesus is not meant to be lived alone. You see this in Paul and in Silas, they're, they're, they're not flying solo, that they're there together. And have you ever noticed how, how when, when you just have somebody else with you, man, you don't, you, 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 you're not succumbing to, um, to being a coward. And you don't give in to temptation, that, that there's something about being with another brother, another sister in this journey, in this life that strengthens you. Right, you experience this when, when, when you exercise. If any of, the, any of you like to run or work out, isn't it true that, that when you do that with somebody else, man, you, you end up working harder and running faster and going farther because someone's pushing you. And the same is true in the faith. 
You are not meant to live this life alone. You can't live this life alone. And if you're living this life alone, get some people in your life that are following Jesus that you can walk ar- link arms with and walk, to, walk towards Jesus with. Life is not meant to be lived alone. The second thing I want you to think about if you're a follower of Jesus is that we're not just made to be listeners and learners. We're made to put into practice the things that we read. Right, we're tempted to read about Paul and Silas and in our kind of soft culture, we're like, oh man, we're so sorry that this happened to you. We're so sorry. And, and, and I go, man, don't, don't underestimate what God was doing there. And don't miss this. They're just doing what Jesus had already told them to do. Right, Matthew chapter five, Jesus said, blessed are you when people insult you, when people persecute you. Rejoice and be glad. And so in this moment of pain and heartache, they're not sitting around complaining, talking about how God has turned on them. They're doing exactly what Jesus told them to do. They're rejoicing. We're not just made to come here and consume. We're not just made to be people who read this. We're made to be people who apply it. And I feel this sometimes. I'm going, man, how do I possibly just do all of this and, and walk perfectly. And, and do you ever feel that pressure? And, and, and what the thing the Lord's reminding me is, hey, just open it up and read it and do what it says that day. And the Holy Spirit's inside of you. And I'm going to guide you. I'm going to remind you of, of, of the, the commands and teachings. If your heart is set on loving me and loving people, I got you. And for us to be people that don't just sit around and listen and learn, but put it into practice. In Luke chapter eight, Jesus says, no one lights a lamp and then hides it under a jar or puts it under a bed. And I'm going, for some of you, man, you, you have this relationship with God. You, you come here on Sundays and you're passionate and you, and you go to house church and you're passionate and, and in your car, you're passionate. And then you get around people who don't know Jesus and it's like you just hide that light. And you don't talk about Jesus. And, and I get this. It's uncomfortable to live out your faith in public places. But it's when we choose to live out our faith in the public places that people's chains come off. I'm not perfect at this. In fact, I want to tell you about a place that I failed a couple weeks ago. I've been walking with this guy. He's not a follower of Jesus. He's a Muslim man. But I'm just praying and asking God to change his heart. So every week I'm trying to be around this guy. And one week I just felt the Lord leading me. Hey, I want you just to go and to pray for him. Just put your hand on his shoulder and pray for him. And I'm telling you, I was so nervous. It was so uncomfortable. And so I didn't do it. And if you're like me, so much of my life is is I see something that's uncomfortable, that's of God. And I'm just so much more comfortable sitting around going, hey, but what if? I'm so much more comfortable sitting around going, hey, forgive me, God. And I go, I'm so tired of living that life. I want to be a part of a church and I want to be a man that takes the uncomfortable steps and doesn't say what if, but hey, look what God did. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, don't pass up the opportunities that God gives you to live out your faith public ways for his glory. Those of you who are not followers of Jesus, I want to encourage you just to think about what is God doing around you? And are you listening? Who are the people that God's putting in your life? And I want you to pay attention, to to look at your friends and your family and your coworkers who are actually living it out. I'm not talking about people who claim to follow Jesus and then live completely different. I'm talking about people in your life that are serious about Jesus. 
And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I invite you to, to, to really examine their lives. To really ask the hard questions. Hey, do I actually have what they have? And to be willing to be uncomfortable. No matter what your family, no matter what your friend group thinks, if you're not a follower of Jesus, if God is, is paving the way for you to step into life with him, to be forgiven of your sins and filled with hope and filled with joy, today it's not a coincidence that we're talking about this story that some of you maybe this morning were even contemplating suicide and, and you're so down and you're so hopeless and you don't feel like there's any way and God is going, I am the way. And the reason your life is void is because I'm not in it and I want to live in it. I want to lift you the same way the Philippian jailer went from a place of suicide to joy in one day. What was the difference? Jesus Christ and him alone. And I go, if you come here this morning and you're down and you're out and you're hopeless, there's one answer and his name is Jesus. But you have to take the uncomfortable step to believe in Jesus, to believe in a God you can't see to believe in a God that you can't see, but you'll come to know is there. To believe in a God that loves you, that died for you, that's coming back for you. And just like the flipping jailer, to go public, to get baptized, to give your life to him. Let's put up that communion slide. Every week we, we take communion as a church family. We eat a piece of bread, we drink a cup of juice, and we do this in groups. And so here in just a minute, I'm gonna um, invite us, I'm gonna pray for us and go invite us to, to get a piece of bread and a cup of juice and to come back to your seats. And I wanna just invite you to, to ask these two questions. Where do you need the Lord to help you live out your faith this week? Right, and so some of you, man, you have 4th of July gatherings that are coming up with friends or family or maybe it's work. And, and you just feel this stirring in you. I don't wanna just consume, I wanna live this thing out. So where do you need the Lord to help you live out your faith? And the second question is, who is someone in your life that's doing this well? And at some point this week, I invite you to, to reach out to them and to encourage them. And in this way, giving God places to move and work through us. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for just the joy of being alive and the joy of being your children. And I pray that you would move. God, please just draw people to you. Draw people in this room, draw people in our neighborhoods, and draw our coworkers, draw our families to you. And we pray that, that as we take steps of being proud to be associated with you, that you would be pleased and that you would work. And we ask that you would help us to, to start being comfortable being uncomfortable. And we love you and we need you. And so fill us afresh, God, with your Holy Spirit. Pour out your spirit on us as we break the bread. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.